0: you for listening to this message brought to you by living word church we trust that as you hear the word of god preached you'll be encouraged and equipped to love god and do his will if you're looking for a church home please feel free to visit our sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc and now for our message Welcome, anwar smith to preach to us today I use your code name, sorry, Andy. Yeah, if any of you were confused by Anwar, that's me. Well, good morning. morning. It's been a beautiful morning um, of worship together. Um, And so it was just a a real uh, privilege and, and pleasure to, you know, when you're sitting up front, you get to hear all the voices kind of coming towards you, um, and it was just, it was, it was really sweet, you guys. It was really sweet. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when we come together as a family um, to sing out together because he is so worthy. It's, it was a beautiful thing. So um, we are in this series, with all our heart, um, and this is a series um, that is part of Lent, um, and it's, you know, it's kind of fun because they, last week Dave talked about, you know, not really coming from a church tradition that really practiced um, Lent, um, neither did I um, growing up and, and, and coming up through, through my adulthood, but um, I really found a real kind of sense of faith and hope as we've been going through this series. Um, it has really been just good for me. So I'm going to try to—God gave me this kind of—this picture as I am following my brackets— during March Madness. We have any March Madness people? All right, so you guys know I find some way to tie sports into something somehow, just because that's how my brain thinks about things. Um, but I was, I'm, you know, I've completed my bracket and I've got some guys from college that I graduated with, you know, 20 years ago, who every year we do a bracket. It's the only time I ever do a bracket. I really don't get a chance to follow a whole lot of sports outside of football. Football, I do, but anything else is kind of, is kind of extra. It's kind of a bonus. Um, but anyway, I do my brackets and I'm, you know, you're waiting and you're trying to make sure that your championship team stays in it, right? You kind of want them to be in the championship. And of course, it's, it's kind of all this guess. Um, but I was thinking a lot this week about championships. Now, I've never had the privilege of winning a championship in my sports career. Okay, I've played a lot of football for a lot of years, um, and you know I've, I've not I've not won a won not won a championship with the with the football team. But you ever watch when championship teams win? Um, I know I fondly remember I was young. I was in eighth grade when the Bulls won their first championship. Anybody remember that? And I just remember seeing this the the picture of like Jordan on the ground in the locker room, like with the trophy, just like. Balling, right and then you know and each year it was like then the next year i think it was like with his dad and just couldn't let him go he was just you know and i just think man the idea behind a championship isn't that you win that single game although it takes a lot of times it takes it could take a single game to win right a super bowl there's one game at the end whoever wins that game is crowned champion right and there's but when those guys win a championship You know, they're not just thinking about that single game. They're thinking about all the things before, right, that led up to that. Like you think about, you know, if if you're a basketball player, if you're Michael Jordan, you think about, you know, shooting hoops as a five-year-old, you know, and every time you shoot, you, you know, do your little countdown. Three, two, one, like you're going to win it in a championship game. And you think about going through elementary. You think about high school. You think about parents driving you to practices. You think about all these things that bring your remembrance and then when you think, oh my goodness, I finally did it, I finally reached the pinnacle of this sport, it just all floods in emotion. Because it's more than just that one game. It's, it's this life of giving yourself to something so devoutly that when you come to that championship and you win it, there's this, this overflow of joy. And I think about that as I think about this Lent season. Now, I know many of you are like, where in the world are you going with this? And I I get you. This is just how warped my brain is. But I think about this in the sense of what we are leading up to, right? The season of Lent, this, this kind of 40 days of Lent leads up to Easter Sunday. It leads to this great victory that has been already accomplished. And so, when I think about what we're doing as we're talking about repentance and renewal over these five weeks together on Sundays in our microgroups, and I just think if we continue to stay plugged into this, if we take this opportunity seriously, if we say, God, expose things in me that need to be exposed, that I might repent of those things on Easter Sunday, I just believe there's gonna be an overwhelming explosion of joy and celebration. Because our thinking isn't just about, well, let me just think what I normally do on an Easter Sunday. I get up, I might dress up a little extra, you know, come in and sing a few songs, and, and then afterwards we go to a nice meal. But no, I think that the, the victory of Jesus on the cross is going to mean something so much more as we've thought about this and as we've, we've gone into to kind of battle about our own lives and where we are in our own hearts over these weeks. Man, when we come on Sunday, there's going to be an overflow. There's going to be an overflow of joy and a blessing and of just, God, I understand why your victory over death was so important. Because I was once dead in my sin, but now through repentance. And repentance doesn't even exist without what Christ accomplished. Oh, my goodness. Resurrection Sunday morning? Oh, I hope that means something entirely different for us. And not that we don't think about it every day, but we come together to celebrate. And so I'm looking forward to championship celebration with you all, with my family on that morning, because I think there's going to be a lot that we're going to have to celebrate. I mean, we have it all the time, but when we come together as a family, there's going to be a big reason to celebrate, amen? Yes. Now, that is all just leading up to, but as we're moving in that direction, we're in week three of our series, and this morning, I get the, the honor, the privilege of sharing with you out of scripture out of Matthew. And it's going to be a really, um, I just want you to stay with me, okay, (laughs) as we open up, as we look at God's word. But before we do, I want us to look at Job. Now we, I think Dave alluded to it um, a little bit this morning, Um, and there's a verse out of Job, and we know Job, we know how, you know, he kind of, in those early chapters, I mean, he just kind of lost Family, he lost things, even his own body was was stricken with sores. I mean, he went through the worst of the worst of anything any of us probably could ever imagine. And then in Job 13, 23, he says this: How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. So as Job is going through this and then wondering, why, God? Why me? Why is this happening? Is is, is it something I've done, essentially? He's like, how many wrongs and sins have I committed to deserve this, right? Show me. We are in this series, and it is the show me series. God, show me any offense. Show me anything that is in my life that is not like you. That does not reflect you. Show me. I don't don't just want to walk around like like it's all good, God, and, and maybe I don't see it. I want you to show me, right? And so that needs to be our plea during this season and as we go through each of these weeks. And I will tell you, you will be amazed at what you find when you take the time to actually look. When you ask God to reveal, he will indeed reveal. Now, I want to show a video, Doug, if we can get that queued up, and this is, this is just my attempt to, to kind of help us to see and to understand this idea of the things that we can find when we ask to have that revealed. It's really quick. Dark field microscope will lit up the tear on a black background so you can actually see the beautiful patterns and shapes. I think tears are so unexplored, we need to figure out why. structure of a tear is. Whoever even cared to even begin to know what, the, what it looks like under a microscope when we, when we cry, when we get onion, I mean, that's kind of a fun experiment, right, to just sit in front of onions so you can create tears so that you can make a look at it under a microscope. But guys, the idea is simply this, that if we ask the Lord to reveal, if we ask Him to show us, He will. And He will show us things that our naked eye may not be able to immediately grasp. We might not be able to see it. Maybe there's just ways we've been, things we've just done our entire lives. And, and I mean, we've really gotten to the point where we don't even think anything of it. It's not even, a, it doesn't even cross our mind as, as it being problematic. Sometimes we've even created excuses. Well, that's just who I am. But we are in Christ. We're a new creation. So the who I am no longer exists because I am now someone new in him. Amen? And so this morning, as we spend just these few moments together to to talk about this topic that we are this morning, I believe that God wants to show us something. I believe that he wants to reveal some things if we are willing to say God I want, I'm not afraid of what you might show me this morning. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for my church family, Jesus. I thank you for these men and women who are not perfect, Lord God, but together we make up this beautiful tapestry, this beautiful body of Christ, Lord God, which is gifts and talents and and people who know just how to encourage when I need it and people who know just to give me a hug and don't even have to say a word, but it it always comes at the right time. God, you are assembling something beautiful in this place. God, I'm beyond blessed by that. But God, this morning, you want to do a work in us. Lord God, I pray that at the end of this time, Lord God, it wasn't just, oh, that was a good message. Now let me get to my regularly scheduled activities. But, God, that today would be a day that you would allow us to see things in our own lives, Lord God, that need to be exposed, that need to be brought to light, and that need to be repented of, Lord God. Lord God, that we would not be like the Pharisees, but, God, that we would be, we would resemble you. So, God, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 23. And like I said, I get the joy of of talking about this passage where Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and the leaders and he called them hypocrites. And I know sometimes as soon as we hear that word, we kind of glaze over and like, oh boy. But I think God has something for us here. Let's read starting uh, Matthew 23, starting in verse 23. It says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a net but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And this is a beautiful passage to get to share on Sunday morning my family, i very grateful that uh, I get the privilege. No, but here is real truth. And you know, under normal circumstances, I would have been quite nervous to kind of bring this message. But then as I think about the people that I get to bring it to, and I think about some of you, so many of you, who are just hungry to know the truth of the word of God so that you could reflect that in your life, it then becomes exciting to bring words that may be a challenge because I know that I get to do life alongside a group of people who accept challenges, who are willing to be challenged. Some of you live lives of challenge. It's difficult, right? But the beautiful thing is that God's word not only has a challenge, but I'm gonna to get to share some really cool promises as well. So it's this, he says, you give your money, you, you do this, the religious duty, but you have neglected the more important matters. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, you should practice the latter. Then he says, you blind guys, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Now, there's a lot of explanation. There's a lot of things around that. But some of us recognize Matthew 7, 3 more than we recognize this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? I mean, this is essentially what he's saying. You strain out a gnat. You, you care about the, the little things that, that are important but, but are insignificant in the grand scheme of things and then you eat the camel and you know it's, a, it's one of those things where we have to look at ourselves I was challenged by this because every time he said you Pharisees and you teachers of the law he's not talking about the world right. he's talking about the folks of the church right. yeah. ouch I get it when we're talking about people who don't know who Jesus is, people who don't understand or never read the word. I get where they, where they might kind of, you know, do that. They might, you know, do certain things and think, well, I just want to really make myself look good. I just want to do all the right things to make people think a certain thing about me when, when in, I'm really kind of backbiting, backstabbing, doing all those things. Like, that makes sense maybe in some sense of the word, but Jesus calls out, teaches a lot out the Pharisees, people who know the truth. Hypocrisy is knowing the truth but not obeying it. It's claiming Christ is Lord without following him. It's derived from the Greek term meaning actor. Oh God, that we would not be that we would not give the appearance of a Christ follower without having the heart of a Christ follower. There's two forms of hypocrisy. There's the professing belief in something and then acting in a manner contrary to that belief. And then there's the looking down on others when we ourselves are flawed. Right? There's there's those kind of generally speaking, it kind of takes those two forms. And Jesus critiques the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. They give their tithes. They give of their spices while neglecting the true things that are, that are of even more importance. And the reason being is, you know, when you give, when you do it, they're probably like those ones that, you know, when the basket comes, they kind of make sure they wave it around a little bit. See me? Yeah, I'm just going to put this right in here. I'm going to grab this envelope with two hands because it's really heavy. This is this is my, my my sacrifice to the Lord. I just want to make sure you guys see it, right? That's what the the, the this is what he's saying when he's talking about you know you give. There's nothing wrong with giving. There, we are to give. That is an obedient act, but it is not an obedient act so that we could give and say, "Hey, I I gave at the office." Don't expect anything else from me. I show up on Sunday morning. My duty to God is done. Right? I gave my 5%. Yeah. Got to take a little bit, you know, feed the family and stuff. 90, you know, 5% seems like good. That 10%, that was way back then. We're not of the old law. We're of the new law now. And the new law I created myself says 5%. <laughs> right? However we justify it, Right, and so he's 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 saying you you do these things for, for to be seen, and he's saying but you've neglected the things of true importance. So what are these things? Micah six eight. We know it. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk faithfully or humbly with your God. I mean that's what Jesus calls them out. So these are the three things that I believe this morning that God wants to call us out. How are we doing in our pursuit of justice? How are we doing embodying mercy? How are we doing in our faithfulness? Oh God, that you would reveal to us if there is anything in any of these three areas that are not as they should be. Lord God, we want to reflect you. Don't just bring your money and think that that's good enough. How many of us know Jesus wants all of us? All of us. So we want to look first at justice, right? There's the three things that Jesus says. He says, you give your money, but, but I want I want all. And when we think of justice, oftentimes we, we just think of this idea of punishment, Right? If I'm exacting justice, if I'm getting justice, then that means that the bad guy gets caught and gets punished. That's justice. How I many of you know that God oftentimes can define things a little differently than we do? Psalm 89.14 says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you what that doesn't sound very punishing justice and then then the very next thought is love and faithfulness what no justice means that the bad guy you know that's our some people's biggest gripe is there people out there doing all these things all these bad things and they seem to get away with it god what are you doing are you are you asleep at the wheel do you not see what's happening And we we look for this exacting judgment that will come right now. Not the judgment that we know is to come. For every knee will bow. But we want it right now. God's saying that these two things, which is always, which is really cool. And I looked at several verses and I, I won't have enough time to share them all. But righteousness and justice go together. It's a, it's. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. Love and faithfulness go before you. Psalm 9, 8. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. What does that mean? That means that he rules the world in righteousness. He is a righteous God, but he judges this people fairly. You understand that justice isn't just about punishment. It is about where have we... Not been fair. Think about your dealings. Your work dealings. How many of us have ascribed to the world well, life isn't fair, so then there's no expectation for me to do anything fair? Ain't wrong. God judges us with equity, with fairness. What is our call out of this? That we then also are to enact justice in our dealings with people. We are to look for areas where things are not fair and we're to be given to those areas to help bring it. How many of us remember December? Or was that so far away that we've already forgotten? That we said there's an unfairness in this world, that there are people being trafficked, that there are women who are enslaved and men who are enslaved over trafficking and we want to do something about it because that's not fair. How do we bring attention to this? So for the month of December we wore our, well I didn't The women wore their dresses, and the men wore ties, and we gave money because we wanted to try to, in some small way, bring equity into this situation because there are more people enslaved today than ever in the history of our existence. Well, that's unfair. And we forget that there is a real enemy. So if we say, well, then God, why don't you just bring all these things into fairness right now? He will. Oh, he will. In the meantime, he's saying to you and to I, what are you going to help do about it? I've got the ultimate plan, and it's a good one. But today, I'm challenging my body, my church, the people who are called by my name to a life of justice. That how we deal with people, we will deal with them justly. How we respond to injustice, we will try to speak in and bring this fairness, this justice to being around us. Church, let us be a church that not only understands this idea of equity, this idea of fairness, this idea of justice, but that we embody that. So many of you need to go take all of your pens that you have stolen from the office back. <laughs> a sense of justice and equity and fairness. Stop ripping off the job with their pens. You know, this job's got a lot of money, and they can spare a couple pens, and then you got a drawer full of them. $100 worth of pens. Stop, no, just kidding. Sorry. The Pharisees next said, did not show mercy. Simply put, when it's within our power or right to punish or harm someone, but instead we show compassion. Luke 6.36 says this, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. you understand how strong of a calling that is? I mean, do do you picture... God's mercy, let's, let's paint a picture for you. It's one you all know. There he is. Stretched out wide. Naked. Beaten. Bruised. Bloodied. He's hanging. By his wrist, the bones there. His feet, the bones there. Sinking down, but as he sinks on the heaviness of those of those nails, his, his lungs begin to to kind of close because you can't get a breath. So you have to push back up against these nails to keep yourself up so that your lungs can continue to inflate and deflate, so you can breathe. You are essentially suffocating, but not in water. And with some of the final. Things that you could try to think and do when you're in pain like that, isn't that the time when it's, we want to get even? Oh, I'm going to get whoever did this to me. But now, do you want to hear mercy? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Be merciful, as the Father is merciful. Now tell me about the thing that someone did to you that you still have yet to have forgiven them for. Tell me how bad it was. Tell me why you can't speak to a coworker because they might have said something behind your back or or maybe they pulled into your parking spot in the parking lot. Tell me about the sister or brother that you don't talk to and haven't talked to for years because of something they did. They just irked you. They just completely undid you, and you have yet to have been able to get over. I'll <laughs> forgive them. This was the Pharisees. They would do their little visible things to show their, their religious duty, but when it came down to showing mercy, they had none for no one. You step up to my level, or else they have nothing to do with you. It's easy to support the idea of mercy when it benefits us, but it's another story when it's our time to extend it to others. Forgiveness is the biggest part of mercy. Who in your life do you need to extend mercy to? Because I will tell you, Jesus has extended mercy time after time. pause. Everybody take a breath. God revealed to us. Show us. Then finally, the Pharisees were not faithful. To be faithful is to be reliable, steadfast, unwavering. I mean, when Nehemiah, and we often know the story of Nehemiah from the Old Testament. He had to leave Jerusalem to return to Persia. He put Hananiah and Hananiah in charge. Anybody remember that? We'll look at Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2. This is what the NIV version says. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people. The ESV says it this way. I gave my brother Hananiah, Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was more faithful and God-fearing. A more faithful and God-fearing man than many. Faithfulness. We sang about it this morning. God, faithful you are. Faithful you will always be. He can't not be faithful because faithfulness isn't just a, 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 a kind of a name for him. Faithful is him. I think one of our greatest issues And I had this conversation with my brother Landon who's somewhere in the top of the balcony I'm sure that we have gotten so, I don't even know. I'm gonna say I, let me not say we, I'm gonna speak of myself. That the fear of God is gone. We are more afraid of the boogeyman or whatever our horror movie character is that, that we may know of. Those things invoke fear in us finished watching a movie and we had to turn every light on in the house. But we've lost this, this, this healthy fear of God. Because he, he spoke of his, Nehemiah said, they were faithful and they feared God. They believed that what God said He would do what God said mattered. What God said was all they needed to hear. They feared him in a healthy and in a powering way that said, I truly believe. I truly trust. I am faithful to the word of God. Because I know that there's blessing that comes with following the word. And there's curses that come when I don't follow. So I will fear him. I will be faithful to him. And Nehemiah said, these are the people, I can leave in charge of everything because of their faithfulness, because of the way they fear God. Like NIV said, because they are people of integrity. What is that? Word. That I am the same way whether someone is looking or not. that I'm going to give my tithe whether there's an audience of people around me seeing what I'm doing or if I'm just going to secretly drop it off in the office because it's never been about people anyway. It's because I believe God's word to be true and I fear him above all else. So I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful. faithfulness to God because he is faithfulness to us, but that we would be faithful in administering our duties, those things which we are being charged with, that we too would be faithful in how we do those things that we're called to, that the people of God will automatically should be able to be trusted, even in the workplace, even if your boss doesn't know that you are a Christian or that you go to church, but they just know something about you is different because you will never take advantage of the situation. I'm leaving at three. I'm the boss, but I know because you're supposed to be there at five, you're going to stay to five. but you're just faithful to to the truth and to the reality of what you're you have integrity. Not up, oh, is he gone? All right, 305. I'm out. See y'all later. right that is that is the call. there's a sense that these these Pharisees are, are missing this picture of, of, of acting justly, of, of, of extending mercy, and of being faithful. That their faithfulness was only tied to that which someone could see and acknowledge. If it couldn't be, somebody couldn't say, oh yeah, I saw. They were really cool. And they weren't about. But listen, what I'm telling you today is not just this talk in the New Testament. Can we just take real quick, I'm not going to re-preach this, but I want to finish here with even in the Old Testament. Now, I want us to listen to these words that Isaiah spoke. And I want you to compare that in your mind to what we just read out of Matthew 23. And Isaiah chapter 1 says this, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbath, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Repent. Turn from this way that you're going and turn and stop doing wrong and head a different direction. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Sound familiar? So then what should our response not be? Let's start there. Zechariah chapter seven verse nine says this, and the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said: Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. We get it. Be just. Be merciful. Be faithful. What does he say? But they refuse to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turn their backs and cover their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. I believe if you are under the sound of my voice this morning, and the Lord is saying to you, there's areas where you've not been fair, or you've not extended mercy. Where you've not been faithful to that which God has has given you, you've not been a faithful steward in in areas of your life where God has given you and said, I I want you now to give that, I want you now to to share that, I want you now to be that, then this is our opportunity to repent, to seek renewal, and to say as Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, my Your law is within my heart. Simple. I desire to do your will, Lord God. I desire to be a man or woman of justice, a man or woman of mercy, a man or woman who is faithful. That is our prayer. That is our call. we consider these things, as we contemplate these things in our lives, that we would not be hypocrites like the Pharisees, that we would not just do duties, but that the things that really matter to the heart of God would be the things that matter in our hearts. So Lord God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the truth. God, I thank you that you call us out. Say, no, I want my church to be be better. I want my church to be stronger. Lord, as we discussed in our micro group even, Lord God, that that a church that lives and acts in justice and mercy and faithful would be a light, would be a beacon to the world. And people would welcome the opportunity to come and be a part of a body that actually lives out the word of God. Not just, not just in, in theory, not just, oh, that sounds good, but in practice. That we are, that we are fair with one another, that we're, that we're merciful, God, that forgiveness just boils out of us, even though it's the hardest thing in the world sometimes to do. But, God, that we are not pulling from our own strength, Lord God, because we have the resurrected power of Jesus Christ at work within us. Therefore, we can be merciful just as our Father is merciful. And Lord God, that we would be like you. You are faithful, you are. Faithful forever you will be. Because you keep your promises. Not one of them will ever go by the wayside, Lord God. So God, that we too would be faithful in what we say. God, as you're stirring these things up in us, Lord God, that we would take these moments. There are things that we need to repent of, Lord God, that we would repent of those things today. Lord God, if there there are things that we just say, God, I I just, I don't even see it. If it's there, God, show me. God, I ask that you would show us. God, that as we go through this final song, Lord God, no matter matter what it it means to us and our pride sometimes, Lord God, that you would break all of that away. That you would crack away at the hardness that that may be our heart that says, oh, you need to forgive. You need to call right now. You need to text somebody right now. If there's any way in us that it's been where we've been unfair, that we would make it right. Lord God, we don't want to walk out the same.